0: Failure. The system failure. System failure. What? I can't talk at all. If he talks, he's gonna get us all killed. By what? Them? I thought they lived a the day back that way. How about you shut your mouth and get your buddy over here moving?
1: Hello, everyone. Matt here, and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 206, entitled Abandoned. This is the 30th overall episode, and there are 91 to go. So, by the way, thank you very much for having joined me for 30 episodes so far. That's a little bit of a uh, milestone indeed. Uh, First, a little bit of feedback Uh, there was a uh, review left on iTunes of the podcast. Uh, by Eb6T, which I think may have been another listener who has commented before uh, under another name. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about that, but perhaps when she hears that, if indeed that was her, she'll, she'll let me know so I can properly credit her. Anyhow, she said, looking back at Lost is a pleasure. Five stars. Matt's great voice and terrific choice of clips of the show Lost take us back in time to remember how we felt while watching this great show. Uh, this person goes on to say, it's always a pleasure to hear the podcast come up on my MP3 player and to see it in my iTunes feed. Thanks so much for this wonderful trip down memory lane with you, Matt. Well, thank you very, very much for, uh, leaving your review there on iTunes. Uh, it's always great to see people, uh, sharing various thoughts, uh, whether it's through Twitter, through email, through the voicemail line, or indeed through, uh, iTunes where, uh, those reviews can be seen for, for all time and for posterity and whatnot. So thank you very, very much. I'll just quickly mention, too, that uh, I know many, many listeners uh, come to me by way of the Lost Podcasting Network, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, every so often, if uh, a bunch of other podcasts release after mine, uh, I, I get the sense that uh, uh, my show gets overlooked every so often. So if uh, indeed you are a hardcore fan, make sure that you're checking me out on either the Lost Podcasting Network, iTunes feed, or my own iTunes feed, where you can find me as Looking Back at Lost, unsurprisingly, Uh, or if you're not an iTunes person, uh, there's the webpage, Looking Back at Lost.podbean.com, et cetera. So anyhow, with that, let's now quickly start to move into this episode, Uh, and the summary was read by a listener.
0: Hi, I'm Brady, and here's the summary for Lost Season 2, Episode 6, titled Abandoned. In flashbacks, Shannon receives a call that her father has been in an accident. She goes to the hospital where she finds that he has died in a car crash. We learn that Shannon's father is the man struck by the SUV driven by Jack's future wife in the episode Man of Science, Man of Faith. At the funeral, Boone arrives to console her. Later, when Shannon wins a dance internship in New York, she finds she cannot go because her stepmother will not allow her to use any of her father's money. Her stepmother's suggestions show her dream of becoming a dancer it's just a passing whim, and that Shannon needs to make it her own way. Boone attempts to help, but is unsuccessful in convincing his mother. When Shannon asks if she can stay in New York with him, he tells her that he's leaving the city to take a job working for his mother. He offers her money, but she angrily rejects it, telling him that if he doesn't believe she can make it on her own, she doesn't want his help. On the island. On the far side of the island, Echo, Jin, and Michael reunite with Anna Lucia and company. The eight of them leave for the camp made by the survivors of the mid-section of the plane. Along the way, Sawyer collapses from infection. The survivors make a stretcher and carry Sawyer, though their journey will be considerably slowed. After struggling to carry him up a hill, they look around and notice that Cindy has vanished. Immediately after, the seven hear whispering, coming from all around. Back at the beach, Sayed and Shannon are intimate for the first time. Afterwards, Shannon is terrified when she sees Waltz standing in the tent, saturated from head to toe. Said dismisses it as a bad dream. Shannon becomes convinced, though, that it is her destiny to find Walt. Shannon uses Vincent the dog to help search for Walt. Said comes along, protesting. Shannon yells at Said, telling him that he does not believe in her and is going to abandon her. Said tells her that he loves her and will never leave her. The pair embrace and suddenly hear whispering. They look up and see Walt who gestures them to remain silent. Shannon dashes after Walt and Saeed follows her until he trips. A gunshot is heard and Shannon is seen staggering back towards Said, who catches her as she collapses, bleeding from the torso. The camera pans back to reveal Anna Lucia with a smoking gun. And the episode ends with a view of a devastated Said holding Shannon's body.
1: A huge thanks to Brady for reading that episode summary there. It really was wonderful. And, uh, well, with that, let's now get into my thoughts about the episode. Uh, the episode opens with a fairly responsible Shannon uh, caring for Vincent the dog. Uh, it's been a few episodes since we've seen her, and certainly a few episodes since we've seen her in any uh, oh, kind of uh, important capacity. Um, indeed, you know, as the episode is starting here, she looks definitely capable, responsible. It's almost like she's standing taller Uh, Now freed of the things which have constrained her in her past, you know, her attitude, her family, uh, her general world of, uh, you know, money and these sort of trappings. Um, Very quickly, Saeed comes along and introduces her to uh, this notion of kind of moving into his tent, at least for the night. And uh, so we kind of go from this lofty moment of uh, new Shannon to uh, some rather serious kissing, lots of tongue. Uh, and then she realizes that something is sticking out of Saeed's pants. It's his gun, of course, you know, the 9 the millimeter gun that he carries with him.
0: You need to carry that all the time. I only carry it because I have someone to protect.
1: Now, heck, after that line, I'm ready to, to jump Saeed, and he's definitely not my cup of tea. So, uh, well, effective bit of writing there. Uh, and it's a great contrast to uh or pardon me following that particular uh scene because of course they need to cut away because it's broadcast TV. Um so they cut from these kind of relatively lush confines of Saeed's tent. Uh first of all, it's a tent, which is better than what you're about to see. Uh it has candles and decorations and a little crate that acts as an end table. Of course it's comfortable enough for love making. Uh and we cut from that to the tailies sleeping upright at the foot of trees, uh, scared because of the threat of the others. And, uh, I mean, really, it just looks incredibly uncomfortable. It's these, you know, the the big round trees. It looks, you know, just awful to sleep against. But, you know, they're so exhausted and dirty that they're able to sleep against it nonetheless. Um, And, indeed, in that scene, there's a bit of recap dialogue. We're waiting for, for Mr. Echo. He ran to find Michael. You know, blah, blah, blah. Um, At least the dialogue is spiced up a bit by Giacchino scoring these kind of dissonant chords to quietly punctuate the tension, kind of these sour sounding chords. Um, Truly, nicely well done. And uh, there's a nice moment, too, when Sawyer is angrily declaring that Michael and Jin mean nothing to him. And then right at that moment is when they return. Uh, The look on Sawyer's face, it shows the truth that he does care and that, as with many things with Sawyer, it's just an act. Um, and, and him kind of putting up this front. But anyhow, at that point, enough time has now gone, uh, gone by for us to return to what has now become the post-coital tent. Uh, and There's some rather basic but heartfelt dialogue uh, between uh, between the two, between Shannon and Saeed. It really does communicate a sense of stability, something that, of course, the episode won't keep for long. Um, by the way, in that... Particular post coital tent scene. The episode almost seems to be daring this eight o'clock time slot that Lost had. Uh, nude Saeed is off camera and Shannon is kind of giggling in delight. Uh, and then pants wearing Saeed says he'll be back with some water and then punctuates the dialogue by zipping up his zipper. Oh my. Uh, and of course, it's this scene of calm sweetness, uh, the afterglow, and all this. Uh, and it's just setting. Up the audience to scare the hell out of us. A moment later, as the wind comes in and blows out the candle.
0: That was quick.
1: Quite a good way to end the act with, uh, you know, mysterious slash spirit slash ghost Walt appearing, speaking backwards, uh, dripping of water. Uh, It's it's quite effective, and of course, we'll talk. More about that Walt apparition in a little bit, or apparition in quotes, anyway. Um, after the title card, there's a very, very interesting interplay between Shannon and Saeed. Uh, we've seen her looking responsible and stable. Uh, and now Said is essentially telling her that, not, not even essentially, he's directly telling her that seeing Walt was a dream. And, you know, it's this kind of lack of belief in her, which is why Shannon storms off, uh, effectively moving out of Saeed's tent. And I think that upon first viewing, we're really kind of meant to see the, the partial return of old bratty Shannon, um, whereas it really, really is the case of responsible Shannon asserting herself. We're going to see this in the episode, uh, or in the episode's flashbacks, rather. Uh, we're going to see it as the episode goes on, and um, it's just, uh, you know, it's nice to see how far Shannon has come, particularly seeing as how this is the end. Uh, we head to her flashback where she's teaching ballet in Hawaii. I mean, the part of Los Angeles that looks like Hawaii, apparently. Anyway, um, we now start to see uh, what isn't telegraphed across to us, but what we can piece together, what we, you know, we we wise people upon first view and can figure out is the other half of the Sarah car accident. Sarah being Jack's wife um, that. The, the person on the other end who died at 8: 15 in the morning was in fact uh, Mr. Rutherford um, and we see Shannon and stepmom in the hospital uh, and indeed Dr. Jack walks by essentially as an extra you know it's kind of meant to be one of these you know who did you see that kind of moments um and then the show really starts to hammer home you know the evil stepmother right I mean this is being recorded in September 2011. And uh, in, I think it's in October is when, um, oh, there's a new show coming out on ABC. Is it called Once Upon a Time? I think it is. But it's being done by uh, two of the writers from uh, from Lost. I think it's Kitsis and Horowitz. Um, and it's some kind of fairy tale thing. And I, I really don't have a lot of faith in it um, just because it doesn't look that great. Plus, they wrote Tron Legacy, which kind of makes me a little nervous. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> I mention this just because perhaps, uh, perhaps whatever uh, fairy tale influence in their, their new show, perhaps some little seed was planted here because this is the evil stepmother. Shannon's stepmother is you know if she wore a black hat and had you know a green face and uh, warts on her face, it, it might that's the only way it could have been more direct. Back to the hospital here, where uh, Papa Rutherford has died. Um, Shannon is grief stricken, and initially she's kind of left behind. The doctor asks if, quote, your daughter would like to, you know, join them to see the body. And stepmom says, stepdaughter, and then say, you know, kind of adds, come along, Shannon. Um, and it's just, it's mean. She's mean. There's a clip later on the show that she's mean. But anyhow, back to the Taylor story. Uh, Libby presents herself as a clinical psychologist uh, but it's presented in you know they don't they don't commit to the notion that she's lying and I doubt anybody back upon initial viewing of the episode would have said she is lying but you look back at it and her her eyes kind of shift to the left a little bit you know it's not a direct look uh, it's kind of almost out of the, almost set out of the side of her mouth um, and looking back, it really does kind of come across as a cover as her lying, <laughs> which of course she is because uh, she wasn't a clinical psychologist. She was the patient of clinical psychologists. But um, similarly, when she says that uh, Sawyer's shoulder is bad, but not real bad, uh, he kind of walks, walks past her and then there's this look of grave concern on her face. So uh, Libby lying indeed. And indeed, speaking of graves, when Shannon uh, tries to find Walt via Vincent, via Vincent smelling Walt's shirt, uh, she ends up being dragged to Boone's grave. Uh, Apparently, Vincent has a sense of when the narrative needs to stop so a flashback can occur. Um, Indeed, though, I feel like they should have gone to a flashback then with her standing at the grave, Um, but instead they move to just, you know, a straight cut to Claire uh, being unable to get Aaron to sleep, which leads to more time for some lock wisdom.
0: Babies like the feeling of being constricted. It's not until we're older that we develop the desire to be free.
1: I mean, that is meant to have creepy overtones, right? I mean, I, I know that there's truth to what he's saying, but, you know, it. There's just there's something slightly creepy to that. I, I mean, yes, that is kind of the springboard for a little storyline of Claire feeling unprepared for motherhood. But in that one moment, isn't Locke kind of saying that we don't always know that we want to to be free? We don't always feel the need to be free, uh, you know. And all that the show says about uh, freedom and you need to get lost to find yourself and all that. Um, I don't know. To me, to me, there's some kind of meaning there of just. Uh, I don't know, creepy Locke to some degree. Um, and, and any anyhow, moving on, um, that uh, that discussion, that kind of uh, bit of Claire and mothering does lead to a gasp-inducing moment between Claire, at least gasp-inducing for us in the audience uh, as Claire and Locke talk.
0: Seriously, I mean, we're practically strangers here. For all I know, Charlie could be some religious freak. Yeah, I seriously doubt that. Then why does he carry around
1: a Virgin Mary
0: statue?
1: What? You know, one of the little statues?
0: He says he found it in the jungle. How about
1: that? So there you have it. Kind of the the start of, um, you know, Locke back on Charlie's case. Locke, uh, you know, being what one of only two people, right? Jack's the only the person who knows that Charlie's addicted to heroin. Um, uh, let's see, perhaps has Charlie admitted it to Claire? I, I think that he has, but certainly Claire doesn't know that, you know, that there's heroin in the, uh, in the Virgin Mary's. Um, it's only Locke that does. So it's kind of, you know, aha, the game's afoot here. Anyhow, we then, uh, we move back to Shannon, who's now looking at Boone's grave. Um, In the previous scene, she kind of came across it and the camera showed it to us, but now she's on the opposite side of it looking at it. I really think that that shot that we returned to was meant to be the outro from the flashback, which follows, right? I think that it was supposed to be Shannon discovers it. We have the forthcoming flashback at the father's funeral, and then we come out of it her looking at the grave. I don't know why they made that change, but they did. I mean, it doesn't stick out uh, as any sort of... uh, oh you know misplaced um uh, scene or whatever but anyhow um so we flash back to the father's funeral um and as always it's so pleasant to see ian Summerholder, you know kindly and gamely return to play a character that after all was killed off uh and with irony he makes his uh appearance with the dialogue death sucks doesn't it so there you go and i suppose there's even added uh dialogue to it that uh uh you know, eventually well, his next venue of employment after Lost was doing the vampire diaries, which I have not seen a minute of, and I actually don't know that he plays a vampire or, or not on vampire diaries, but to certainly go from a show where he gets killed off and then do a show where uh there's vampires and then have this line, Death sucks. It certainly uh certainly kind of captures his current career for the last uh you know what, eight years or so. Um there's this wonderfully delicate moment after the wake where Boone and Shannon are in her bedroom. Uh, He pours her, which as a side note too, kind of being in her bedroom, I I suppose kind of has certain overtones knowing uh, that we know what they did in Sydney, that bit of naughtiness. But uh, in her, the bedroom in her home, he pours her a bit of scotch. You know, he is after all this kind of world weary adult. Uh, He's just, he's come just in time for the wake. Um, she reminds him that she's no girl anymore because she's all of 18 uh, and they drink this scotch out of small teacups the sort that are you know part of a play tea set for girls um, so it's, it's kind of this this delicate moment of you know the father is dead she's 18 you know which which we, we look at as the start of adulthood and, and in many instances um, you know we don't view as uh, oh, Complete adulthood, or whatever you say, you know, you're just starting college, or you're just entering the workforce, or you know, you're not old enough to drink, you're not, old, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of the the beginnings of adulthood. Um, but here she is being forced to grow up because the father's dead. Um, however, she, you know, she's still in her her girlhood uh, bedroom. She's drinking, you know, scotch out of these uh, teacups, you imagine she's played with for all these years. So, Anyhow, there's there's also this lovely bit of dialogue. Shannon has hopes of getting, quote, that dance job in New York. And Boone says, oh, yes, that internship. Uh, there is, of course, a big difference between the two. Jobs pay money and internships do not, as we're about to uh, see the stepmother deal with in a bit. Anyhow, back to the tailies, uh, Sawyer is clearly getting sicker from his gunshot wound, uh, and there's you know, tense dialogue between Anna Lucy and Echo about the need to cut inland. Uh, the jungle, asks Anna Lucy incredulously as she looks back at computer-generated jungle. Yet another instance of lost special effects, which aren't great. I mean, they don't stick out as awful. You know, it's just for a maybe a two or three second shot to say, you know, oh, we're here at that rocky thing where the waves always come up. You know, you know I'm sure you know what I mean. It, it's used often whenever there's a a long journey to be made on Lost. This is kind of like the halfway point where, you know, it's kind of all that lava, it's kind of like a lava peninsula and the waves come splashing up and all that. Um, So it's enough to kind of say, we're at the rocky shoreline. You want to go to jungle that is thick and jungly, but not a great shot. Anyhow, uh, at the end of that scene, Anna adds the, Uh, that she preferred it when Echo wasn't talking, which of course is more grist for the mill of next week's The Other 48 Days. The episode, moving on, the episode slowly works at uh, introducing Charlie kind of as the overbearing papa bear uh, down to lock, very quietly holding Aaron, and they're kind of whispering, we finally got him asleep, and Charlie arrives to take the baby so Claire can take a walk, and he's saying, oh, here I am, Claire, I'll take the baby. I hate seeing poor Charlie used as the baddie. Even though, of course, he is walking around with enough heroin to kill a horse. Um, If anything, it's a reminder that on Lost, happy things do not last. Even happy family units of Claire, Charlie, and Aaron. Anyhow, back with the tailies, we finally, finally, finally get some answers from Anna Lucia.
0: You want us to take you back with us? Fine. But you want me to keep quiet? You need to tell me why I had. They came the first night that we got here. They took three of us.
1: Nothing happened for two weeks. Then they came back and took nine
0: more. Jungle, their jungle. Just so that you can save your little hit friend over here.
1: And if you think that one gun and one bullet is going to stop them, think again. It's amazing how much is going on in that bit of dialogue. First of all, Michelle Rodriguez gives this dialogue so sincerely. Uh, with kind of her touchiness gone and all her emotions are on her sleeve. Her eyes almost look different. They look uh, kind of wounded and vulnerable. Um, So there's that going for the scene. There's also just, you know, for once kind of an incredible amount of information, um, which is only adding to us saying, who in the world are these people? Uh, Which, you know, leads us to what is essentially the third function of that dialogue, which is to kind of be a, a, a preview of sorts for next week i mean this notion of you know as soon as you sit down next week you say well all these awful things that we heard anna lucia last anna lucia say last week now we're finally going to see them oh my goodness this is going to be some episode so well done guys well done uh we move back to the flashbacks and here we finally have the evil stepmom in her in her height of cruelty
0: my checks are bouncing <laughs>
1: Well, that's what happens when you make withdrawals and you don't make deposits,
0: Shannon. When do I get the money Dad left me?
1: There was no will. Shannon, I, your father and I, had a living trust. Everything passed to me. I'm afraid there was nothing specifically designated for you. Why would he do that? Well, maybe he just wanted you to find your own way. We all have to work, Shannon. Most of us are the better
0: I just got this really prestigious internship and I'm I'm not going
1: to make any money for a while, but I am going to be working like 16 hours a day. The only thing I've ever seen you
0: do 16 hours a day straight is sleep.
1: There's, I mean, there's a vein of tough love parenting in there. There really, there is. It's difficult for you to argue against many of the things that we saw with the old Shannon. Of course, this is the old Shannon, right? Uh... This is by and large the same Shannon uh, in terms of her work ethic, outlook on life, etc. This is the same, you know, one who that we saw from season one. But you know, so so you, to a degree, you can see the, the stepmother's point of view there. But just kind of this notion of you're just gonna, you know, you're gonna get cut loose completely. Uh, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, it's tough. I mean, perhaps there's some kind of flip side argument to be made, you know, perhaps there's, you know, perhaps Shannon doesn't need to be living in that apartment, she could be at home, perhaps she chose not to go to school, etc, etc. But it's, there's a lot of jabs there at the mom, you know, the the only thing I've ever seen you do for 16 hours is sleep. And, uh, you know, this kind of dismissive, you know, well, you know, checks bounce when you take out more money, and you don't put any money in. cruelty cruel parenting there from the stepmother and indeed on the topic of parenting which is kind of a nice theme that the episode is developing on the beach uh, Charlie and Locke have a bit of a conversation about parenting
0: she's she's got a bit to learn about being a mom responsibility you know Mm. now that's an interesting thing to say for a heroin addict Recovering, Annette. Recovering.
1: I love how Locke almost always seems to take this slow route towards his goals. Uh, of course, it's the Zen master Locke. It's the thoughtful Locke, right? Uh, I mean, can you imagine how Jack would have handled the scene? You know, would have been you know yelling at Charlie and, you know, give me the heroin and da 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 and kind of action, action, action. Whereas Locke is just saying, you know, you need to figure this out, and you need to figure this out pretty darn quickly. So let's let's get going here on it. Um, and speaking of Jack, I mean, aside from his little cameo appearance there in the flashback, he is not in this episode. Just, I mean, perhaps Jack haters rejoice. I I wouldn't mind <laughs> a little Jack in the episode. A little if Jack said one word, that wouldn't be the worst thing. But anyhow. Um, in the scene where Sawyer finally collapses from his wound, uh, a scene which is, by the way, interrupted by an act break just as Sawyer passes out, uh, there's this wonderful long shot of most of the tailies going to where he has collapsed. Uh, on the left side of the screen, however, Annalise you know, puts her arms on her head, kind of in frustration as she looks around. It really is a wonderful touch. It's you know that her worst fears are coming true it's you know there they are they're going to be stuck they're not going to be able to move one bit they're you know kind of in this exposed location of uh you know they're kind of in tall grass or reeds or this kind of thing you know it's not i mean it isn't literally corn but it kind of has that effect of a cornfield where you know they appear to be in some kind of um you know open field but it's as high as as they are you know the this this grassy growth is as high as they are so you know if you're watching say from the tree line and you're the others or if you're higher up on a hill or something you, know, you can see them coming um, and they can't particularly see you uh, you know if you're slithering forward so very kind of you know nice bit as I say um, and moving back to Shannon and Saeed uh, they give a you know kind of throw a few hints mean to drive uh, the theory nuts crazy
0: Walt is not out here you're following a labrador not a bloodhound in an effort to find the boy who's on a raft in the middle of the ocean what are you talking about we found the bottle
1: on the beach so it's this kind of you know oh yeah and you know he isn't on the raft but but what exactly is going on um and indeed yes walt is not on the raft but i still contend that what we are seeing here any of these appearances of Walt, whispering Walt, is the smoke monster. And it's the smoke monster tugging and pulling at our community of survivors in an effort to see the weak areas. Uh, I mean, to me, you know, obviously that was not remotely a, uh, an option on our minds upon first viewing, but, Looking at the series as a whole, I mean, we know the smoke monster can shape shift. obviously. We know that we've seen the smoke monster uh, in other familiar forms, such as that of Christian. Um, certainly there's no, uh, you know, I mean, there's no um, rule that says that the smoke monster can only take the form of dead people, although oftentimes he does. Um, you know, Christian comes to mind, uh, um Uh, Alex comes to mind uh, and so forth to me though that's just an effective way of um, yanking people's chains you know for Jack kind of you know desperate uh, emotionally holding himself up as the the leader in the first couple days after the crash uh, not eating properly not sleeping properly um, and beneath all that mourning the death of his father of course to see his father it's gonna get his attention uh, in to some degree uh, same thing here uh, even though Walt is not dead you know who did Walt have perhaps the biggest connection to could you say Shannon um, maybe maybe not but certainly you know if you are the smoke monster kind of watching from the tree line or watching you know from afar the fact that Walt gives his dog to Shannon, the fact that Walt had this wonderfully heartfelt conversation with Shannon after she lost her brother, and he was basically saying, yeah, you know what, everybody else, they're just going to ignore you, because uh, let me tell you, when my mom died, which of course for Walt was 10 or 20 days previous to the conversation, people just kind of left me alone too, because they didn't know what to say. Um, so certainly there's an emotional connection between the two, and it's going to mess with Shannon to some degree, uh, to see Walt, as we see at the end of this episode. I mean, I don't think that we're meant to believe that the smoke monster always has some master plan, right? But I think that it's just in you know. I mean, look, you hang around in this island for two thousand years. You can fly, right? So it's not that big an island, um, and you know, maybe just you're clearly the evil guy, right? You were black. You're the smoke monster. You're the bad guy um it uh you know you just kind of get your jollies by messing around with people and sometimes you kill them sometimes you let them kill each other sometimes you let them live you know it's kind of the smoke monsters the the boy with the magnifying glass lording over the ants and um you know screws with her a couple times uh the beginning of this episode previous to this episode and uh yeah you know this time hey uh, there's a lady with a gun over there shannon's over here hey let's bring them together see what happens oh the one shoots the other hey you know that's that's good fun mark this off as a as a good day for the smoke monster but anyhow um back to uh back to the tale, folk uh when they're heading towards the hill right they just go up the hill with the stretcher it's a scene that requires careful watching uh they're carrying sawyer and the stretcher of course they're you know suddenly realize crud there's a big giant hill um it is of course also what's the the key part of this scene it's the last scene of cindy being with the tail section uh cindy of course being the flight attendant kudos to the show for not overdoing that scene in terms of tricks climbing up the hill we see intercuts between wide shots medium shots and close-ups when they arrive at the top of the hill there's a crane shot showing the front of the line, the stretcher, and the rear of the, the line. When I say the line, you know, our, our line of characters. And in that line, there's no Cindy. They could have gone chosen to go with some sort of trickery. You know, you see her one minute, and then she duck, you know, the actress ducks beneath the camera, and then she's gone, or this sort of thing. But it's just better to have her gone. It's better to, to, to roll it back. And the last shot that she appears in, it, it's nothing in particularly interesting she's not looking over her shoulder because she hears something because she's at the back it's just there is no hint and then she's gone um and the scene and the act of course ends with uh well a reminder of the threat that's out there uh it's whispers and libby and ana what the hell is that And of course, ending the act like that, you know, this whispered threat coming, somebody's just been snatched away uh, in broad daylight, Uh, you know, the threat seems to be approaching, Anna Lucia yelling run after pointing her gun around. Do they return to that and show more? Of course not. We're back in the Shannon flashback. uh, It's one where she decides to go her own way without the help of others, i.e. Boone, who's trying to give her money to help her out. There then is a quick cut to Shannon searching for Walt, having decided to go her own way without listening to others, i.e., Said. Uh, and then at that point, what we get is essentially uh, Shannon's monologue of lament, and it's it's lovely. It really is lovely. Quite a quite a good note to go out on.
0: Why don't you believe me? I need you to believe in me. I do believe in you. You don't. No one does. They think that I am some kind of
1: joke. They think I'm worthless. Shannon, you are not worthless. you say that now? You mm. <laughs> do no. <laughs> You're just gonna leave me. <laughs> I know. As soon as we get out of here,
0: you're just gonna leave me.
1: I will never leave you. I love you. The the dialogue there from Shannon it's heartfelt, it's sweet, it's showing her fearful interior, separate from that, uh, you know, kind of bratty witchy exterior that she puts up. And I mean, note what Saeed says there at the end. He says, "I will never leave you." I love you. There, dear listener, there is why she is his soulmate and he is her soulmate at the end of the series. It's a promise made in love. It's uh, particularly so, I think, for Shannon. You know, the island was this place for her to escape, as I said earlier, all these other trappings, the things that actually have been holding her back. Her relationships to family has been something that has held her back. Uh, the money in her in her in her world you know the money that she feels she should have versus uh, you know whether she deserves it this that or the other it uh that has been holding her back the pursuit of that money the pursuit of that lifestyle the pursuit of um what ultimately for her were frivolous arts you know dance clearly dance wasn't something that truly drove her Uh, The stepmother makes reference to interior design. Clearly, that wasn't calling, you know, the art of that, the vocation of that was not calling to her. Um, She had, you know, she had to get to the island to find herself, which, you know, is not any great insight. uh, But there it is nonetheless. Same thing with Saeed. He's able to, you know, be his true self on the island, somebody who's uh, responsible and thoughtful and, and, you know, and kind of separate from the 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 where and the when that he grew up in and the the circumstances of the first Gulf War and becoming a torturer and everything. You're able to see these two people connect on this fundamental level right here and to indeed make this promise, which you know is kind of said, I mean hopefully, you know, to to your loved ones, you never say I love you in a trite way. But you know, there's a certain um this is the place on the, you know, the, this island is the place to say it and to be, uh, you know, to say it almost in its purest because there's nothing to, to um, you know, there's nothing to kind of catch your eye otherwise. There's not uh, the bigger diamond or the bigger house or the the better this or the better that. It's kind of, you know, everyone's at their basic level. So you are who you are. And that's that's just about it. And here we have, as I say, this wonderful promise made in love then of course, it all starts to turn south.
0: Do you see him? Shut up. Wait! Shut up.
1: Seeing Anna Lucia holding the gun. It's just one of the ultimate oh, crap moments of the show. Uh, in an instant, we completely understand Annalise's motives. We completely understand the miscommunication that has just occurred uh, in terms of the, you know, the threat visited upon uh, the tail section people. Uh, they literally have just lost someone, right? They've just lost Cindy. So to see someone mysterious running towards them is, is, is provocation enough. Uh, and for that, we all, you know, immediately forgive Analysia. Lucia. Uh, but we also have come to appreciate Shannon as never before, uh, including buying into her pure love that she and Saeed share. Um, and in, as rage washes over Saeed's face, we understand all that he feels too. Uh, the show very wisely shows him standing, preparing for, and then the scene goes black tune in next week the show says uh and of course it's a lie we won't see what happens uh next until two episodes from now but thus the episode has ended with uh, you know with this death here of of shannon this shocking shocking death uh, upon seeing it for the first time and hopefully it's a a heartfelt and tender death uh for for your second and subsequent viewings so with the episode over let's now move to lostpedia to see whatever little bits and pieces i've missed uh they note that at 35 minutes and 10 seconds actually is about 35 minutes and 8 seconds into the episode michael whispers f star 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 me as they carry sawyer up the hill now of course i would never use that as a little easter egg at the end of this podcast so you don't need to listen for that at the end um Lostpedia also says that this is the final episode of the series to be written by only one person, aside from the Missing Pieces Mobisodes. Every episode following this is written by uh, by writing teams. Uh, they also say, does Lostpedia, that this episode has the distinction of being the only Season 2 episode to credit every Season 2 cast member, including Adewale, Maggie Grace, Malcolm David Kelly, and Cynthia Watros. Uh, They also say, and this is kind of a a cute little, uh, well, cute little fact for a cute little kid. William Blanchett played the role of baby Aaron in this episode when he was six months old. He would later play Aaron as a small child off the island from Eggtown onwards. So how awesome is that? That the six month old that you got for season two, you could then use in subsequent episodes. That's pretty awesome uh lost also says when echo and ana are leading their group across the island a large smaller island that is possibly the hydra island can be seen in the distant background uh, i have no idea if that's on purpose or if that island is actually there or whatever but either way it works within the mythology of the show last but not least they say the opening credits in this episode appear before the title sequence when they are usually after Um, I'm not quite sure why that is. I'd have to go back and look. Probably it's that the pacing after the title sequence, uh, probably is such that, that it wouldn't do to have the credits there. Whereas, uh, uh, before the title card, you know, it's a bit slower. It's the, you know, head to the bedroom scene. It's the, you know, this kind of thing. So, so there we go. Let's now look ahead to next week's episode. Next week's episode is 207, The Other 48 Days. I cannot wait to watch this episode. It's just probably in my top five or four or three. I just love this episode. Um, So we get to look forward to that next week. Uh, A reminder that new episodes launch to the website, iTunes, and the Lost Podcasting Network on Mondays. If you'd like to share feedback, you can do it in a whole slew of ways. You can leave a message on the voice message line at 732-707-1815. You can say hello to me on Twitter, where I am Looking Back Lost. You can send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. You can visit the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. And of course, you can find the show on iTunes where reviews are always appreciated. So thank you very, very much for listening yet again. It's always great fun to be uh, getting together and talking about loss with you. And I look forward to speaking to you all next week for 207 the other 48 days. Take care and bye-bye.